You now are listening to the audio podcast of Prisoners of Hope, the antidote to what ails your heart. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Witsis. So come on in, pull up a chair, and open up your mind as you get ready to receive the download that hope will bring. Well, good day. This is Dr. D. And today I want to talk about the distance between ask and answered prayer. This is a difficult one for me. And for a lot of you, this is probably difficult too. You 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 ask the Lord, well, how long is the distance between when I ask something and it's going to be answered? How long do I have to wait for the answer? How long do I have to endure and hope? When will it happen? We're asking the same question over and over again. How will my prayer be answered? I find if you look in the book of John, chapters 1 through 42, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is a story about the Samaritan woman who's at Jacob's well in the middle of the day. You could surmise a lot of things about this story. Number one, the woman had to be an outcast because who in the heck goes to a well in the middle of the day? Most of the high society women and house help would draw water early in the morning where it was nice and cool. And Samaria, as my pastor says, Pastor Ferdick says that he calls it some area. This area was an area that the disciples and Jews did not like. They went around. And going around in those days, that meant you walked around the area. (laughs) They did not even want to go into Samaria. So Jesus decided he wants to go into Samaria. The pastors, the pastors, the disciples kind of complained. Maybe that was a Freudian slip. And he sends them off to get food. And he meets with the woman at the well. And he he asked the woman at the well, could you draw me some water? And she kind of looks at him real strange because, number one, women did not talk to men, let down rabbis. And Jesus was considered a rabbi, a pastor. And Jesus actually promises the woman living waters that will give her eternal life. And invites the woman to bring back her whole household. Specifically, he tells her, bring back your husband to receive the goodness of what he's offering. This turns into a conversation about the woman's personal history and marital status. (laughs) She responds, honestly, I have no husband. That's uh, verse 14. 17, sorry, John 4, verse 17. And Jesus affirms that what she says is true and indicates that he knows all about her. (laughs) He knows that she's been married five times. And he knows that the man she's living with now, she's not married. So this actually surprises the woman. And she realizes that this person must be a prophet. 
With further conversation, once she brings back her household, she runs and tells people, oh, you got to come see this prophet. He knows he knew about my whole life. The end of the story is that, or the point of the story is that I'm sure the woman felt bad because she was an outcast and she probably prayed, oh, you know, let my life change. Let people revere my word. She becomes the first missionary of that area. Matter of fact, John 4, 1 through 42 is the longest conversation that's recorded in the book of John. She becomes the first missionary. So she goes from outcasts to leaders, spiritual leader of her people. Did she think her prayer was going to be answered that way? Do you think your prayer is going to be answered the way you think it should be? A lot of times our prayers are answered most differently than what we thought it would be answered. I had a friend that was lonely. She had lost her husband. Her children were away at school and she was real lonely and she was driving down the street and it was about eight o'clock at night. It was wintertime, so it was dark early. And she drove under the freeway and she saw two young guys that she knew because her son had played football with them. So she turned around and went back and come to find out their parents had threw them out of the house and it was cold and rainy that day. So she told him, get in the car. Well, I'll take you home. And she took him home. And from that experience, she became a foster parent. Remember, his ways are not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. His ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. She never in talking with her, she said she never thought that she would become a foster parent. And that's how Jesus answered me. Sorry about that beep. But that's how he answered her loneliness. The waiting place. Don't we hate the waiting place? It seems like time ticks backwards. On September the 17th, 2022, I posted this prayer in the Bible app. It's called A Prayer Why I Wait. And I say it almost every every day because I'm in the waiting place currently. God, sometimes I want an immediate solution for my problems. It could be so hard to wait. But I know your timing and your ways are perfect as I wait for you. Help me to learn from the current situation I'm in. Help me to focus on the blessings I currently have. And praise you for all the things that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. That's my waiting place prayer that I got from the Bible app. I pray it almost every day. My favorite childhood author was Dr. Seuss. And my favorite book is called All the Places You'll Go. And the book talks about journeying through life. And he talks about the waiting place. If you're on YouTube, you can see the graphics where you have a long line of people that goes on forever and ever as, the, as far as the eye can see, people waiting. And let me read a little bit about what Dr. Seuss said about the waiting place. The waiting place for people just waiting, waiting for a train to go or a bus to come or a plane to go or mail to come or the rain to go or the phone to ring. Are the snow to snow are waiting around for a yes or a no are waiting for their hair to grow. Every 
body is just waiting. Your attitude when you must wait. Another way put, how's your dude when you have to wait? What's your dude like? <laughs> Do you have an attitude? I want it now like a impetuous little child. I want it now instead of later. I want everything now. <laughs> Look at the word impatient. Are you impatient? <laughs> if you take the I am off, it's, it spells the word patient. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a little test. We're going to see if you have signs of impatient behavior in the way you go about your day. First of all, you don't have time for a lot of things. You don't have time to let another person finish their sentence. I'm guilty <laughs> of that because I'm so excited to say what I want to say. That's that's showing impatience. You don't have time for lines. As a matter of fact, you avoid lines at all costs. <laughs> Spending more time coming back later. And there's no guarantee that line will be shorter. And look, you spend more extra time and gas to go back later. But you don't have time. You leave a lot of things unsaid and undone because you're always in a hurry. You always forgetting things. A lot of times you forget, not always is never true, but a lot of times you forget things because you're such in a hurry. Delays cause you excessive anger. <laughs> Waiting elicits a incongruent response from you. Let me give you two examples of that. Waiting in traffic makes you scream and shout at other drivers, even though they can't hear you. That's the incongruent response. You might say, well, I'm patient in traffic. Really? Okay. What about your behavior at an elevator? You see people do this. At an elevator, because you think the elevator's too slow, you incessantly push the button. <laughs> Incorrectly, incongruently thinking that that would bring the elevator faster. Do you do that? Are you an elevator pusher? <laughs> you are quick to anger. Dealing with you is like walking around on eggshells. You have a very short fuse. You often don't extend grace to yourself or others. My mother used to say you either the pigeon or the statue. <laughs> One time I was in the store and I guess I was... Uh, standing in front of somebody in, in that person's way. And the guys, and, and the, I turned around, he was looking at me, he was kind of irritated. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was the statue. And he goes, what does that mean? <laughs> he wasn't happy. What does that mean? And I said, well, my mother used to tell me that you're, the, you're either the pigeon or the statue. So you must have grace for others. And he goes, I don't understand. Well, a pigeon is, is pecks at a statue. Move, 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 move. Even though the statue is not going anywhere. So you're either the person trying to get around or you're the person who's standing in the way. And he hugged me. He goes, oh, man, that's good. I said, you know what? You can adopt that. You can say it came from your mind. I don't care. You see, we both took time to communicate. And that encounter ended up being positive. He hugged me. And he said goodbye. And he said, I'll never forget this conversation instead of being irritated because I was standing in his way. You have that. I'll just do it myself. I'll do it all myself. Attitude. 
you have control issues. You have a control mindset. You want and you don't depend on others to make things happen. That makes a lonely life when you think about it. You know, when you're journeying, when you're traveling, when you when you when you travel with other people, they could be slower. They can hold you up. They can make you late. But the journey's so much better when you don't try to do it all yourself. <laughs> Last but not least, I'm going to cover is that smaller issues equals a crisis in your mind. You heard that old saying you make a mountain out of a molehill. A molehill is a little hill. You know what a mountain looks like, right? For example, let me give you some examples. If I don't pass this exam, I will be a loser. Okay. No, it means you failed the exam. Doesn't mean that you're a loser. But I have a, I do a little exercise where I sit in that crisis mode thinking. I do this exercise called what then will happen. <laughs> so in that example, I'll be a loser. And what then will happen? I'll, I'll be homeless. Okay. And then what then will happen once you're a loser and you're homeless? I'll, I'll go hungry. And then what then will happen? I'll lose a lot of weight, which would be good because I'll fit in my jeans. No, that's another lecture. I'm just teasing. <laughs> I'll get a disease and I'll die lonely. And by the time you get to the what fourth, what then, you realize how ridiculous your assertions are. They're totally ridiculous. You've made a mountain out of a molehill. What does the good book, what does the Bible say about waiting? What does the Bible say about the distance between when you ask and when it's answered? The Bible talks about long suffering, our patience being one of the fruits of the spirits in Galatians 5.22. The definition of long suffering is patiently enduring a lasting offense or hardship. Long-suffering means long-tempered or patient. Contrary to what people popularly view, a person who's long-suffering is not weak. They're not meek. Instead, he or she is strong in character and bold in resisting rash reactions. Don't you wish that sometimes you were bold in resisting rash reactions? (laughs) We all should be grateful that God is long-suffering with us. He has long-suffering love. Long-suffering gives us the opportunity to grow. <laughs> you know, Do you know how a pearl is made? A pearl is made by a little speck of dirt getting inside a clam shell, okay? A clam, I'm sorry, a clam shell. A clam shell. Your trials are a gift. That shell puts pressure on that little speck of dirt. And it provides an opportunity for something beautiful to grow. A pearl. Your trials will provide an opportunity for you to become the person you always wanted to become. You'll become a more patient person a more holier person, a person who has learned to endure. There's a lot of Bible verses, and I'm going to kind of go through them real quick here, that talks about 
how you should wait and what you should do while you're waiting. If you look at Psalms 27:14, it says, wait for the Lord and be strong and let your heart take courage. Remember, courage is not without fear. Courage has fear. But you do it anyway. Times a little faith that equals hope. And Psalm 62 says God is the one who will give you hope. Psalm 33, uh, 20 through 22 talks about that our soul waits for the Lord and his help will be our shield and our heart will be glad in him. Psalms 1, Psalm 130 verse 5 and 6 says, wait for the Lord. There seems to be a reoccurring theme. Wait. Psalms 37 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently and don't fret over who other who other people are prospering in their evil ways. Don't fret. Don't look at other people. Don't compare yourself. My favorite psalm is Psalm 46:10. It says, "Be still and know that I am God." You know, when I had my darkest moment, this is a good way to meditate. Let me give you an example. You say this verse. It took me four hours to say this verse. And I would say this verse and remove a word, maybe after an hour, I would say for an hour, be still and know that I am God. And the next hour I would say, be still and know that I am. And I would repeat that over and over, be still and know that I am. And the next 30 minutes, hour, whatever, I would, I would say, be still and know that be still and know that. So my soul was searching for what that was. Be still and know. And then the next hour, 30 minutes, I would say over and over, be still and know. Be still and know. Then I would get to be still and. Be still and. Then I would get to be still. And I would say that. It depends how long and what I was dealing with. The particular time I did this, I didn't know my son was going to live. I was just very agitated, very nervous till where I got to be still, be still. And then be, I said be for about an hour and a half. I just kept on reporting, re-reporting, re-saying be, 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 reporting that to my soul. That's a good way to meditate. Try it sometimes. It's all talking about how to wait well. How do you wait well? The Bible, I love Psalms because David wrote it and he he talks about waiting, waiting to be king, waiting to be delivered from his enemies, waiting, 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 wait, wait well. Well, how do you wait well? Let's go specifically for those of you who missed it, okay? How do you wait well? Well, first of all, you have to know the Lord's word. If you're on YouTube, you see a Bible came up that's dusty and somebody wrote, read me instead of wash me. You see that in cars, wash me, read me and trust in what he promises. The only way you're going to know his promises is actually to, to know the word. Read and trust. The next thing, you just you got to be strong. 
And to be strong, you got to go through pain, guys. I hate that. There's a Bible verse to talk about after suffering a little while. And I'm like, why do you have to suffer? It's like that clam. That's how the pearl is made. The little dirt gets in the clam. Under pressure, it becomes a pearl. And take courage. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Remember, courage has a little bit of fear in it. Multiply by faith, and that equals hope. Be still. Be still. Be still and obey what you're told. Because the Holy Spirit will talk to you when you be still. Remember that verse I said it, I repeat over and over again? Be still wait in silence if you're on youtube you see a picture came up of a woman and she has her mouth you know uh stitch clothes <laughs> sponge stitches wait in silence while you're waiting don't don't negate what you're asking god for don't let your mouth still your hope. Be careful what you say. You know, it's, it's real interesting. We're crazy as humans. We'll pray for a strong marriage. We'll pray. And then we'll go out and have lunch with our girlfriends and talk about how rotten our marriage and our life is. Really? You're letting your mouth violate, get rid of, cancel out your prayer. Now, this is something that I have to work on. I have to make sure my mouth is in line with my hope. Surround yourself with real friends. Surround yourself with people who knows the melody of your heart. And they sing back the tune when you have forgotten your song. You want to surround yourself with real friends. And remember that prayer that I started out with while I wait at the very beginning? I know, I know, I know, I know your time is not my time. Let me think on things, blessings that I have currently. Let me think on things that you promise in your word you would do. Well, this is the end of this episode, and God bless you, and remember to be a prisoner of hope. My hope is that this journey has been fruitful, and you're able to take it and apply it to your life. Until next time, tune in again. For the Prisoners of Hope podcast. God bless.